people. Thank you for joining me for another episode. This one is an interview episode and it's a bit of a chonker, so I'll keep this short. But uh, we are talking to Viewmaster Bex. So she's Viewmaster.bex on Instagram. And she knows all about Viewmaster Reels. And we get into talking about collecting and reels and a bunch of other stuff. And it's really fun, but it is a little bit long. So make yourself a cup of tea and settle in. Just to start you off, are you a tea or a coffee drinker? So or... I'm traditionally a coffee drinker. As an mm-hmm. editor in a magazine, uh, editors need coffee. I don't know why. That's one of the rules. Some of them switch to tea eventually. <laughs> I do drink tea. Um, it's I'm I'm less of a tea aficionado than a coffee person. But mm-hmm. um, sometimes I just crave tea. So I, I think I'm, I'm 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 ambidextrous when it comes to caffeine. So. I will also drink, if if you want to, if someone wants to drink a cola, I'll drink that too. Whatever it takes to get the caffeine in. Great. Um, So I wanted to ask you about, uh, can you describe what a viewfinder is? Uh, Sorry, a viewmaster. Viewmaster. Not a viewfinder. Yeah, what it is for people, (laughs) because they won't be able to visually see one in a podcast. Yeah, so, um, oh, this is tough. So a viewmaster, which I think if you're a certain age, you probably automatically know what it is, but Mm -hmm. younger people definitely need a little reference. Um, Viewmaster is a three, a personal device effectively where you look through two eye holes and you hold it up to your face and you look at Viewmaster reels. And the Viewmaster was introduced at the World's Fair in 1939 in New York. And it became a little bit of a hit and it became a massive, massive seller in the 50s, through the 40s, 50s and 60s. Um, And then it started to taper off uh, probably in the 70s, although it was still relatively popular then. Over the years, it evolved from being a um, children or not. It started out as a postcard alternative. So you would buy a Viewmaster reel instead of a postcard and then you could look at where, where you were at in 3D. Uh, so all the images are presented in 3D. The reels have seven uh, seven different images on them, and you click through, which I think is probably the, the most iconic thing about Viewmaster is the clicking. <laughs> like a little lever at the side. Yeah, it's there's like, a little lever on the <laughs> side, and you click through to view the photos, and there are seven photos. And um, you would buy, like I said, you buy those as a um, alternative to a postcard. And then over the many, many years, they sold literally, I think, a billion and a half reels over time. Wow. Uh, over many, many years, they um, it evolved more to be geared toward children as opposed to like a family entertainment device. Uh, and then uh, I think probably in the current incarnation, it's kind of a throwback toy that's sold like at Christmas time rarely. And then it... Um, Younger people would think of it more as a, a very tiny child toy, like a preschooler toy. But uh, it really, that was sort of the final incarnation. But up to that point, so they were huge the when I was a kid um, in Australia. In like okay. the, I think what happened was people had them in, like you say, the seventies, and um, people would kind of like keep them in a cupboard and be like, "Oh, my grandkids are here" or something like that. So yeah. in like the nineties and stuff, people would be like, "Here, play with this," like. And people were obsessed with them when I was a kid. It was like, well, oh, like, what reels do you have? And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and so I found one at a thrift store, I think it was earlier this year. And mm-hmm. I like, I lost my mind because I hadn't seen one in so long. Mm-hmm. So I bought it for like three bucks. And Good deal. Um, yeah, it was awesome. But there were no reels. So I bought a couple online. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I sort of posted it, just on my Instagram, I was like, oh, look what I found at the thrift store. So many people responded. Like, whenever I talk to people about, like, oh, I got a Viewmaster the other day, they're like, oh my God, like, so excited. Um, so then I got yeah, even I more people, excited. 
People do have an emotional reaction to it, I think, because it's tied to family and to, to childhood. But I think it's also really interesting because it's a multi-generational device. I mm -hmm. think it's one of the few toys and one of the few objects that it was an all-ages kind of thing. It was kind of thing at Christmas, you can pull it out and everyone wanted to see it. And I think that that's still sort of true. I think that um, one of the neat things about Viewmaster is from when it was introduced in 1939 all the way to whatever they produce today, which isn't much, you can put any reel in any viewer and, and look at them. And they're all, it's the same experience over the course of many, many decades. And I think that creates an interesting cross-generational bond because it's one of those funny things and it pops up in memes like you might be a kid from the 80s if you might be a kid from the <laughs> 70s if you might be a kid from the 90s if and it's the same image i think so it's like unusual you have you have a couple of the really old ones oh yeah yeah and they and they're kind of like a black um they have a slightly sort of hexagonal look to them are those made out of like bakelite or yes the, well, the earliest oh, ones, cool. there's multiple different, I mean, the very earliest one was made of something else, like sort of the tea, I can't remember what it's called. But uh, very quickly, by the second version, they were made with Bakelite, and then they were made with Bakelite for, you know, several decades, I think from the 40s straight on through to the late 60s. It's cool. When they introduced the plastic one that probably most people of the Gen X era would, and, and you know, around that age would, would know. I, I think they're amazing, some of the old ones. Um, yeah, I think they're so fun. I mean, that's why I collect them, obviously. I also <laughs> just think that they're a really interesting index. And, and maybe it's just, I've always been really fascinated by um, like, gra like visual arts in general. Like I have a degree in film <laughs> studies. And, and, and so I, I've always been very fascinated with how we take in images, what we think about them, how we react to them. And, and what they mean. And I think that that's the, the fact that Viewmaster was produced for so long and covered so many subjects is one of the things that I find really compelling about them. I mean, you know, you can look at images from the World Fair in 1939, or you can look at, you know, images from like, like Hammer Man, which I posted recently, which is an MC Hammer cartoon from oh 1991. So there's this really funny mix of pop culture and places and, and, and events that are important. You know, there's everything from like I think the um the, at the height of their sort of popularity as a family friendly device, they did um they, they had a photographer on site for Eisenhower's inauguration. So there's a whole reel dedicated wow. to, to his inauguration. There's a very hard to find reel that um I acquired last year finally that is um it was JFK's first trip to Ireland as president or only probably now that I think about it but it was JFK visits Ireland which obviously for Irish Catholics in America was a very yeah. big deal and okay. um that yeah that reel was actually pulled from production shortly after it was released because he was killed and so it's actually extremely extremely hard to find so that was one that I was pretty excited to finally get a copy yeah, of that's amazing. That would be such an amazing one because you, your collection is so interesting to me because so I the reels that I got are like um, I got one that's just called horses. I can't remember mm -hmm. what the number is. I have yeah. Shira, Shira one. I have, um, <laughs> so I think I have, yeah, uh, no, yeah. no, it's live action actually. Oh, okay. The Benji one. Yeah. For the love of Benji. Yeah, um, great. yeah and I have uh, bed knobs and broomsticks. Yeah. Another maybe. random one. Yep. Yeah, so my one was kind of, my understanding of them was it was sort of like, um, I guess because like you're saying, like it's sort of more aimed at kids uh, in my era, but yes. um, it's fascinating to me. Focus. Yeah, and I love that. But um, yeah, I didn't really know that they had, like you say, like um, JFK in Ireland or um, inaugurations and all these other things. 
Um, so yeah, how many do you have in your collection of reels? <laughs> I don't know, which I know is an <laughs> anticlimactic answer. I've never, okay. I never really counted them. I I did a little video a couple years ago with this website called Gizmodo, and they came out to my house and wanted to record it. And I said, listen. I don't have what you're looking for, but you're welcome to come talk to me. <laughs> I said, I don't have like rooms and rooms and rooms of like box sets. I think people are disappointed because they hear you collect something kind of avidly. They expect it to have like a crazy impact on your life. Everyone loves the sort of collector porn of, of, mm -hmm. of the stuff. And, and I understand and I do too. I just don't really have it. One, Viewmasters are very tiny, so it's very easy to have a lot of them in a small space. So I actually have a whole... I don't know, like a whole bookcase that's probably just filled with reels. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how many are in the, in the bookcase because I just don't care that much to count them that way. No, that's sort no, of sure. I feel like I should. I think I've, I've started to try to count because people have asked a bunch of times and I, I understand why, but I just don't 100% know. I think, in fact, I'm going to look it up really quickly on my crazy spreadsheet. I have at least 1,500 single reels, and that doesn't mm -hmm. even count the packets or the viewers themselves. Or, And I, I mean, that is bare minimum 1,500, and there's probably way more than that. So uh, thousands at this point, I'd say, is fair. <laughs> I think that's exciting. I think it's great because, like you say, like something – so I have a collection of um, like 80s My Little Ponies, and I can tell oh, you like fantastic. they're not that easy to kind of – if you get to a certain point, you have to stop collecting because or build a new take over your life. Whereas like <laughs> yeah. reels, um, reels are flat. You can kind of store them. Yeah, it's like collecting a photo. But yeah, it's kind of like of photos in a drawer. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't think collect. That's really great. Yeah, I don't really collect box sets, which is I know in the, for people who are in the '80s collecting, like 1980s, mm -hmm. you want like the box set of like Gremlins or something like with the, mm -hmm. with the original packaging. I don't want any of that in my house. It's, I, I don't, my, I just don't have the room. I, I, if I had like an extra bedroom or something, maybe I would just dedicate it to that. But as it is, I have an office and I'm also have a lot of other interests too. So it's one of those things where like my interest in, one of the fun things I think about Viewmaster is it, as my interests have evolved, Viewmaster covers such an incredible scope of time and, and topics that I kind of can dip in and out and I can also focus on things that are interesting to me at the time. So I'm having fun sharing pop culture images right now. So I've been buying and acquiring a lot more of those kinds of reels lately. But there was a time when I only, for years, just collected location-based reels that were single reels, which are, they also sold them in three reel packs, which most people would be familiar with. But back mm -hmm. in the 40s, 50s, Probably into the early 60s, they sold single reels. And they sent photographers all over the globe to to take pictures of almost every country on Earth at the time. So it gets very hard to find some of the more obscure places. But one of the things I love most is, is being able to, I don't know, there's a packet for South Vietnam. Wow. You can buy that packet and you can see images of their major cities and industries at that time. I was going to say, it's like a snapshot because yes. some of those borders have changed and Absolutely. Like, some countries are not there anymore. That's amazing. Absolutely. I think that stuff is fascinating. There's one of my favorite reels, and I think there's a whole packet. I don't know if I have it. Um, it's called the Zooter Z. <laughs> I don't even know. What? But it's, it's a lost fishing village that they built a dam and the, the village was put underwater. But, so oh, they wow. did a whole set of U-Master reels before that because it was like this famous fishing village and so there's a whole set for them but the entire community is gone now like the, the those places don't exist they're literally underwater because a dam was built so 
to me being able to see that are incredible yeah like in 3d (laughs) that's amazing yeah so that kind of stuff i always find really fascinating and i just think that that's so fun and I have a couple of friends who are in the are Viewmaster collecting that I've made online, and like one in particular seems to only collect these really far-flung locales, which is my favorite. I just think those are so fun, and I do. I mean, I love the pop culture reels too, probably more now than I used to. Um, a few years ago, I I didn't like them because I don't think that the the quality of the photos is that interesting. The, mm-hmm. the ones that you're most likely to be like, hey, look at this, isn't this funny? And now I actually have a whole audience to go, hey, look at this with, which has been really so fun for me. <laughs> Yeah, that is really fun. In my everyday life, people do not care about this (laughs) at all. So, oh my gosh, I would be like, if I was went to your house or something, I'd be like, show me everything. (laughs) Like, that's so funny. I I think that's a really nice thing about the internet age is that, like, I thought I was kind of weird for liking like My Little Pony or like random things I like, and I was okay with that. But now, like with like Instagram, you have a million friends, you know, who all like the same weird stuff. It's really good. Yeah, I love it. Um, So is there, what are some of the rarest ones? You know, you talked about a couple that were super rare, but is there one that maybe you would just really want to have in your collection if you can ever get your hands on it? People, you know, it's funny. I feel like it's always whatever's next that I want to have. But there's Mm -hmm. obviously some of the more rare reels. I actually was just lamenting to my friend uh, online the other day that I missed this auction because I was at a trade show last week. And mm-hmm. there was some stuff in there that I would have spent a great deal of money on if I had just been paying attention and not had to actually do my job. <laughs> but um, there's a lot of reels that are super hard to find. Um, there was one that's been that's bothering me now because I missed out on it. And it was um, from India. It was, um, I'm going to not remember the name of it. Oh, it was At Home with Nehru, India's Great Leader from 1952. Oh my gosh. And apparently the photographer somehow knew someone who knew leadership in India. And so there's a handful wow. of reels that are incredibly difficult to find that are these very rare glimpse of life. Um, I, I feel like there's also a lot of really cool, um, I, don't, there's, I feel like there's always one reel I'm looking for next. And I just kind of focus on that. I've never I'm like that as well. Yeah, with I've collecting things, I'm like focusing yeah. on just the rarest. Although in retrospect, I should because the longer you're in it, of course, the more expensive those things get. If I just bought all the expensive stuff off the top and saved my money on all the cheap stuff, I probably would have a very <laughs> valuable collection. Um, but yeah, I so... think with collecting, it's not necessarily <laughs> about like having the most valuable. Sometimes, like it's like with books. Sometimes people are like, "Oh, I've got to have a first edition." Yeah. But I have a like an old Enid Blyton book that was my mom's when she was a kid, and because she was little, she colored in all the pictures. Oh, and I'm like, okay. to me, that's priceless because yeah. I remember her telling me, like when she read it to me when I was a kid, of going like, "Oh yeah, I colored in these pictures when I was like six. And so it's like it's not always collections are funny that way because there's something that can be meaningful to you that um you know just brings you joy when you look at it yeah or when you you know what depending on what it is play with it whatever um but it's not necessarily the most financially sort of exciting or whatever you know it's funny because i I accidentally bought i've been trying to collect the early excuse me their state tour packets so like all 50 states um i have a lot of them 
but I'm there's an early earlier set. So I have these ones called the state tour packets where it has a picture, like a map on the front of it. So I've got all of those. Now I'm working on the earlier sets that they came out with, which is a different kind of packaging style. And I bought one on accident that was a duplicate. I think it was like Alabama or something. And I was so excited that I bought it on accident because when I turned it over, I was at a I was at some postcard show or something in the Chicago area. I turned it over and um, the back of these early packets, they because I, as I noted, they're uh, a postcard replacement. So um, there's always like room to put an address. So you could have just popped it in the mail with a stamp. You put the entire packet package in the mail with a stamp. I think one um, of mine has that. I, yeah, and I then think. this one actually I love was it. filled out. This one actually oh. had the addresses filled out and it had a stamp on it. You would have thought that I hit the lottery. I was like, I oh my amazing. gosh. Yeah, I was delighted. If somebody like went there and sent that, like, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah, so I think it it must have been, it was either Alabama or Alaska, but it had the state, it had the return address was the state it was from, and then the address, the person it was addressed to was somewhere in the Midwest, and I was like, oh my gosh, this oh, is I so love exciting. That. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so I, I, think I, that's I love really little exciting. things like that. Right? I yeah, I love little finds like that. I find that so fun. And so those yeah. kinds of things are exciting to me. I always like to find rare things. Every once in a while you stumble across something. And then the, also the longer, the longer you're in the game, the harder it gets. So almost everything is sort of when you when I find something like at a, at a flea market and I definitely don't have any version of it. I'm always like, oh, I don't have this. Like I'm always excited. <laughs> The thrill of the I love that company. that rush of like, oh my yeah. God, especially when somebody's like, oh, it's like, sometimes I've had things where I've collected something and somebody's been like, oh, you can have that for 10 bucks. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I'm always like, I don't want to hand it over to them to pay for it. I'm like, I'm just going to keep it in my hand. Like, <laughs> just take my money. It's fine. <laughs> yes. I did that recently. I found some rare variant that only a handful of people would care about. And it was only $5 at like a Amazing. flea market. And I was like, oh, this is such a good feeling. Yeah. I also... <laughs> but I also, um. I get excited. I don't know. I can also get excited about random purchases and sometimes I'll buy random things. Like one of the things, and this is not Viewmaster related at all, but I was at a flea market and there was a shoe box filled with college love letters from oh my guy God. to his wife in the 60s. And I picked it up and I opened one and it was very like, I love you so much romance. Aww. And I was like, this is delicious. And I stuck it back in the box and I grabbed the whole box and I was like, how much? And he's like, $20. And I was like, dude, I would have given you $50 for this. Yeah. Like, thank you. Yeah, it was pretty great. I I'm fascinated by letters. We don't have in my family, like nobody's kept any of their letters. It's just that sort of a family. Yeah. Like, I'm the sentimental one. And so like the idea of like, you know, going into your attic or somebody's attic and there's like mm -hmm. love letters from somebody to somebody, even if it's, I don't know them. Yeah. <laughs> like they're no relation to me. I'm just like, yes. that sounds like heaven to me. Like just, and I I'm don't nosy. know. So that was, yeah, it's me. like a Nancy Drew kind of yes. like then, plot or something. Actually, this is the juiciest part of that story. I yeah. got the letters home. I of course looked up the people and I, I'm not going to tell you their names because that would be weird. But um, no, no, that's fine. They, uh, <laughs> and I actually started transcribing them for my friends. And I put them on my little personal website. And I was sharing uh -huh. them with all my friends. And my friend, who is an incredible stalker, um, I gave her the name and stuff. And I was like, do you think you could find them? She, I went into a meeting on Monday morning. I bought them on a Sunday. Uh -huh. Came out of my meeting on Monday morning. My phone was like blowing up. And I was like, what is going on? And the group text was on fire because... She had figured out who the people were and oh everything about them. And then she was like, do you want to know, like, what happens? And I was like, no, I'm reading the letters. Leave me alone. No, you have to wait but, till the end. 
But the wildest part is that the guy who wrote the letters, I'm probably giving away too much here, but the guy who wrote the letters was childhood friends with the Unabomber. No way! <laughs> yeah, and I was like, what? She's like, how is it that you, of all people, because I do That's love amazing. true crime and all that. Yeah, it's like same. So funny that you are the person who ended up with these letters when they have this tint. They're like you're with so the Unabomber connection. Yes, and the Unabomber connections that made me laugh. But yeah, that was that was one of my better flea market finds, and I still just stare at my shelf sometimes and in, in awe that I have those. <laughs> sometimes I feel sorry for people who don't collect something because <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, I mean, everybody has the things that bring them joy in their yes, life, but like the amount of joy. Do you know what I mean? Like the pure, like, this is amazing of those moments <laughs> where you're like, you know, especially if you have someone like um, you kind of share stuff with or whatever. Yes. It's, um, yeah, I think fun. that's amazing. You should write a book about that. That would make a great, yeah, I... <laughs> a great movie or a book. <laughs> yeah, I should probably, I think that, I think at least one of them is still alive. So I should probably reach oh, out to them. Well, I, I, yeah. My thought was I should return them, but then I was like, I mean, somebody put yeah, them Yeah, maybe on. they, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting actually because it's like, did they unintentionally not keep them or did they, you know? I don't know. It's only like, half that's kind of an interesting. I would give anything for the other half of the letters. Actually, you want to go half of them? Yeah, I have all those. Of course, guys yeah, because it's girl. Oh, oh, she kept that's them. juicy in itself. Yeah, yeah so she kept hers. She kept hers. <laughs> Who knows if he kept his? <laughs> I'm so intrigued now. Right. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, I'm like, the, the who is it? What happened? Out, I, the only reason I want to reach out to these people is because I want to be like, listen, do you have the other half? I need to know. I need to know what happened. Yeah, I kind of and how you felt. Yes. Yeah. But that might amazing. be that might be a boundary problem. <laughs> yeah, that's super tricky because I think previous generations are much more private, like than yes. sort of we are now. So yeah, I mean, like you say, like your friend can just look stuff up online. Like I wouldn't even. You know that wouldn't sort of bother me. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, but like, I mean, I have like I, said, I know, I mean, like it's I my mom. Instagrams. <laughs> yeah, like it's like I'm on I'm online. Like, yeah, you're sort of out there in some way if you're, you know. But then I guess my mom's into genealogy, and mm-hmm. I asked her a question once, and she, <laughs> like a psycho, <laughs> she came back with me with all of this information about someone, and she's <laughs> like, "I'm on genealogy website. I just looked him up," and I was like okay, I now know this person's uncle's occupation in like the 50s or something. I was like, this is this is not what I was, but okay, yeah, tell me more. <laughs> I mean, I want to know everything always. Yeah, so I know, it's just curiosity. Person. Yeah, it's yeah. not like uh, malicious. I think that's a big difference between like, you know, mal- like wanting to know because you want some kind of like control or something yeah. as opposed to just genuinely being interested in human beings and stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, just genuinely nosy with everybody. I want to know what's doing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, what else was I going to ask you? Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you about um, some of the people behind the reels. like Because some of okay. the fairy tale sort mm-hmm. of based reels have these amazing like models that are photographed. And I think you did a little bit of stuff on your um, Instagram about the the artist behind the model creation and it was really interesting okay. so one of the things that i think <clears throat> excuse me that people remember most about viewmaster when you show them the reels obviously because they resonated so strongly with children and families uh is that they, that one of the major pieces of their production was creating reels for children 
and they created, and I think the thing that really is unusual about them is they created their own um, figures. They, they sculpted these figures and turned them into little diorama scenes and photographed them in 3D. And they did some really innovative 3D photography at the time from everything I understand. I'm no expert on, on that kind of stuff, but um, from what I've read, it it seems like the people who, who did that kind of push boundaries, they would they'd shoot in 3D, but then they'd also slightly move the figures to create a more intense sense of movement in some of the 3D. But um, I think one of the things that's most interesting is even at times when they could have just used animation cells, they actually recreated these very iconic moments from um, especially Disney, but not just Disney, but fairy tales, all that kind of stuff. Um, created these icon recreated iconic moments in this in this format that is really dynamic when you look at it through the viewer. And the people who are behind that, I think, are shockingly some of really innovative and also unknown wildly influential artists. So you've got Florence Thomas was one of their first people that was a staff sculptor. And then Joe Liptak was probably the, the other one that's extremely, he'd probably be the best known because he was responsible for a lot of the, um, let's say, the most popular ones like the Flintstones reels, which I think a lot of people really see as sort of the high point of this creative endeavor. But I think uh -huh. what's really interesting about those two, um, we don't know a whole lot about them, although Joe Liptak kind of went on to have a little bit of a, I guess, a, a bunch of fans who were certainly very dedicated to his work and well-deserved because he, he did incredible stuff. Uh -huh. the, the influence that they had on animators and on artists is so wide sweeping that I think it's one of those sort of quiet stories that people don't know. And uh -huh. I certainly didn't fully appreciate, like I always thought they were charming and I didn't realize that there was a whole fandom sort of around the this particular thing these diorama reels and um once i started this instagram account suddenly i had a, i have a lot of animators following me and a lot of people who are That's professional artists and i mm -hmm. had no idea that these people were this influenced and i can't tell you how many of them these are people who are winning like currently winning like emmys for their animation efforts oh, right wow like, like people who work on animaniacs people who I don't want to be like just like name dropping people who follow me on Instagram because that's kind of weird. But like the, the there's I get what you mean. Of, it's like these you people know what I mean? are it's, like it's weird. Yeah. They're just following my account. They don't owe me anything. <laughs> but like so, and I'm just ha I'm I'm excited to share it with them. So that's just kind of interesting. But the number of people who've reached out to me or messaged me and said these are these these images were so influential to what my current work life is and to my current creative pursuits that it was just shocking to me. And it's happened way more yeah. than once. That's um, amazing. I would yeah, not have, a couple of, yeah, even a couple I would not have painters. thought it was a loop like that of like, it seems like such a side thing, like a, sometimes it seems like a merchandising ploy, you know, yes. like, oh, well you can I, get the, the Muppet <laughs> reels or something. And it's like, I would not yeah, have thought also, that it went both ways. That influence. Yes. Well, that's and that's amazing. something that I think is really interesting. And I think it's because they took this next level with their approach to these diorama reels. Um, the artistry that went into it, the effort, uh -huh. the, the real, you know, just creative endeavor that, that they were is something that just stands the test of time. I think that they resonate with people. Every, and I think the thing that really bothers people, and, and I've had this conversation a million times on Instagram, which is people always ask me, and again, I, I'm... I know a lot, but I would not consider myself someone who's like the definitive Viewmaster education <laughs> committee, you know? Yeah. Um, I just know a lot. So I, one of the things that people ask me over and over is what happened to these 
dioramas. Like I would, I would do anything to acquire yeah. one or go to a museum and see one. And the shocking thing is they didn't really value them at the time. And I guess it's not that shocking when you look back. But they, well, it's like with film history, like a lot of um, Buster Keaton's movies were just kind of like thrown out. Like it's just crazy. It's crazy. The way, yeah, people just didn't know how, that it was an, an art form yet, I yes, guess. And they didn't even though it already was. The photo, the 3D photo they created was the actual finished product. So they mm. weren't thinking in terms of like, well, we should keep this dinosaur from the Flintstone reel. To them, that was just another thing sitting in their office. Yeah, I wonder. Already, they already created this thing. So from what I understand, um, the artists were free to take the, they used Sculpey. They were like, you're free to take your little oh. Sculpey diorama home if you want to. And um some of them did, and from what I understand, Joe Liptak had a lot of his figures, and then he had a house fire. Oh, no. And it destroyed almost, from what I understand, it destroyed the entire collection that he had. And then um, they had an, and this is, I, I, I really couldn't cite my source on this, but I've read several times throughout the years on message boards and in little Viewmaster snippets, <laughs> that when they had a new art director come in sometime in like the 60s, uh, they literally opened the window and threw all that stuff out a window. <laughs> into oh the my god! Because they were—that's painful. Like that yeah. hurts a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and the, I mean, imagine that—all this incredible artwork that people would give anything for today is just thrown out the window. It's amazing what people destroy. <laughs> like when I was a kid, I was walking I home was one day. All that shit home. <laughs> yeah, right. And there was a Singer sewing machine on the side of the road from the 1920s, and uh, they take gorgeous. It was beautiful. It had like um. It was from that era where like Tutankhamun's tomb had just been found. So it had mm -hmm. like Egyptian motifs on it. Beautiful. But they'd smashed it up so for collection. Oh. And I was like, so the sewing machine um, itself, like the the actual machine was mostly okay, but they mm -hmm. smashed up like the original table with all the little drawers and stuff. Oh. And like, as a child, I was like, what did you do to this Singer sewing machine? Like I knew it was kind of like breaking up what's like, I mean, those sewing machines are amazing. They're like a little yeah. artwork they um, and they still are. work. They're yeah. genius. Absolutely genius. Yeah. And it just always has amazed me. Like sometimes people will throw things out and I'll be like, are you serious? You're going to put that like, but you're putting it like in the trash. Like you're, <laughs> right. you're literally throwing it out the window. Like I'm very confused. I don't know. I guess yeah, no, one person's trash it's, is another's treasure. That's you know? so true. I mean, it really is. But yeah, it's it's hard to believe that something that has gone on to be so iconic and also just more influential than I ever understood. It was it was not really even considered that at the time. So yeah. there are a few pieces that that exist. There's a major collector in Ohio who probably has one of the largest Viewmaster collections in the world, who's uh, Marianne Wolfgang Sell, and he he was a uh, photographer for Viewmaster at sort of the tail end of the years when they were doing the um, location-based reels and she became an avid collector and they befriended a lot of people who worked in the factory and they sort of knew everyone who was sort of still around at the time in, in, the, in the original factory in Oregon and so she has some key pieces that were gifted to her and, and are in their collection and I've seen photos of them and they're pretty impressive and then I know that there's a handful of collectors around the world that have these dioramas they're probably the last ones i'm going to guess somewhere in you know the the artist's families probably there's a few pieces kicking around there too but mm -hmm. the vast majority are lost to time that's crazy 
Yeah, it's really wild. Yeah. Is, there's no like museums for view mosses there? Or... No, and that's another That seems thing, kind I of crazy. It does. And it's funny that the the more I've been doing this and sharing my hobby, you know, initially a lot of hobbies, you get very insular with hobbies. So mm-hmm. a lot of my sharing of, of the hobby was with people who already knew everything, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you, yeah. It's like, like I'm gonna... other fans. Of the yeah, exactly. Like, and I yeah. think one of the things that I have loved about creating this Instagram is that I get to share with people who are what I would say, you know, casual people who don't have the context for the, for all of the information related to this hobby and collecting it and maybe don't want to, but just want to connect where, you know, casually with, with the content. So I think that's been so fun. And it's also made me realize that there are, there's a real untapped market there for, something and i'm not sure what it is yeah that makes sense like reissues or yes something yeah i, I mean i think i showed you like sorry. ages ago um i think it might have been last year somebody sent me uh because i review books and so somebody sent me yeah. a book for review and part of their promotional yes. material was a real yeah, a view, little view master that. that was branded yeah and i was like this is like i lost my mind i was so excited <laughs> Yeah, but I, I was like, this is that. so like, it's so retro, and like the retroness wasn't part of the story in the book or anything. Mm-hmm. The character was a photographer, but I was like, there's kind of obviously a market there for like, um, for marketing things and all kinds of stuff. Like, yeah, there's so that that was probably made by a company called Image Three D, and they do um, advertising reels and personal reels. It's not quite the quality uh, as the old reels, which is fine. I mean, nothing really is. That's just one of those things of modern life. Yeah, but... I can confirm that. It's not as like, I mean, yeah. I love it. I'm not criticizing it's it in any way. It's a fun little object for sure. Yeah, and yeah. But it's before. not. It's the, uh, the reel isn't like, okay, it's not as good as yeah, my Benji, yeah, Benji reel, okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, and, and it's plastic and printed differently and, and that kind of yeah. thing. But it's still, it's still fun. It's awesome though. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really fun object. And so there there is a little there's a micro niche for that. And then also the um K pop band BTS. No way. Came out with a um They have a reel? Of of yeah, they have a they had a custom viewer and a whole box set that you could buy and it was called the official film viewer of for bts and it's a beautiful little set i I scored it on ebay um that is so fun yeah it was only available to their fan club and it's it's a pretty cool little collection of 3d photos of them and uh, it was a lot of fun i think that was really neat but one of the things that really vexes me and that i don't understand and i think it's just because nobody who has so, so Viewmaster is currently owned by Mattel, I believe, and licensed mm-hmm. to a company called Basic Fun Toys. And they yeah, put out little Basic retro Fun toys. Right. Yeah, they're doing the My Little Pony reproductions and a couple of other things. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. And they're also doing these weird little TV sets that I'm baffled by. Oh, but, oh yeah. Um, yeah, and they play little snippets of like Little Batman snippets of, of, yes. And yeah. so I feel like it is just an utter lack. And this, I'm going to call them out and then... <laughs> I actually just, uh, I contacted the basic fun Instagram and they gave me the PR people's name and I'm going to email. Oh, nice. Um, but I feel like that they're just missing the market. I mean, the, like why, how in the hell is there no, I can go to target and there's a whole section of target now dedicated to fandom effectively Uh where it's just like Funko pop and all these other, like, like I can go, I can buy a, um, golden girls action figure, (laughs) but I, there's no stranger things Viewmaster. 
Yeah, and that's a real miss there because there's a Stranger Things My Little Pony from Basic Fun. It's Applejack and she's upside down. Yeah, There's something going on there. They're missing a Gen X like nostalgia market that's so hot right now. It's not even like, I think Gen Z would be in on it as well. Like I think think so too. Yeah, I think they are really missing a trick. Yeah, and I think Um, that... Especially because reels are, like you say, like they're so kind of portable and small. There's something that like you know you're not going to bother a minimalist like you know everyone's kind of like decluttering and stuff you know it's such a good there really is like a target market there and also there's kind of a like mini toys thing around so like getting one that's sort of I don't know like American girl sized or like any of those kinds of Mm -hmm. you know branding yeah absolutely I totally agree yeah and also basic fun should um send me my little ponies yeah they should send you my little ponies and they should do a, <laughs> they should do a collab as the kids say with me yeah where yeah I can give them some ideas about content because I feel like that there's so many you could reissue mm-hmm. some of the ones that are hotly desirable by collectors like Dune or The Last Starfighter or Gremlins oh my gosh, yeah there's like 80s movies that I think people would scoop up and then also mm-hmm. frankly the technology for cobbling together like fake 3d pictures is very advanced compared to what it was <laughs> years yeah. ago you could easily yeah. come up with a whole series of ones that didn't exist that should have like star wars and back to the future and 70s and 80s pop culture i mean there should be a whole christmas rack of that kind of stuff and it absolutely that that doesn't exist and it's also like a good repeat thing if somebody buys you a view master at christmas with like a little set of reels yes. you're gonna you're gonna buy more like of course yeah of course. so yeah yeah i totally agree with you I really like basic fun. I think um, they're very approachable because I know a few people have emailed them for things. Um, But my only thing is like, so I'm up in Canada and they always say that Toys R Us are the only ones that have the uh, My Little Pony reproductions. And then you just never hear about them and they're not on the Toys R Us website. And it's like just such a minor (laughs) peeve and it's not even their fault or anything like that. But it's just like, I want to know what's coming out and where I can pre-order it or whatever. Because sometimes... For stuff like that, I just wanna, I just wanna buy it. Like, well, and also, why can't you, know? you subscribe to it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I don't really understand. Like, um, a friend of mine works. Uh, I probably shouldn't drop her name either, but a friend of mine works is kind of an executive at Amazon uh, in marketing. And I said to her, uh-huh. um, "Listen, it is very irritating to me that I can't. I can subscribe to anything from wine to, <laughs> like, yes, you name it. Why can't I be like?" I'm, this isn't my thing, but what if I just wanted every Harry Potter Lego set? Why can't I just have that delivered to my house? Yeah, and me and like email some kind of yeah, and then just send it to me. Yeah. Uh, like if I if, or Funko Pop or whatever it is that you collect and like, just send it to me. Then you already know who wants it. You already got a, a number of people who are going to sign up for this. Yeah, and I and think it, podcasters do that with their books when they have a book coming out. They're like can you guys pre-order it so we know how many sort of copies and like I often hear that with people and I'm like Mm -hmm. yeah you're totally right like why is Lego like not telling you like ahead of time yeah Yeah. and then miss out yeah just send me that giant Titanic Lego and that's I I ordered it you know what I mean like Lego is that real did you make that up yes no, it's a new thing for oh Christmas. It sold out the second they introduced it. And it's, it's yeah. outrageous. It's the yeah. biggest one they've ever produced, I think. The biggest build ever. Wow. Is it like a but million yeah. bucks or something? Yeah, it's out. It's like yeah. $700 or something crazy. <laughs> oh, that's not too bad. I mean, I wouldn't yeah, buy it. I, mean, I just mean like, I've seen some of their sets for 700 and they're actually like super detailed. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, I find... it's very impressive. It's fun. I, I mean, Lego I is amazing. Together at Christmas. Why not? 
Yeah, I I was actually thinking of getting myself a Christmas Lego set this year for exactly that reason of like I'm gonna put on like some kind of eighties trilogy, like maybe I think one year yeah. we watched Back to the Future or something. We just watched all of them in a row. And yeah. um yeah, it's like a jigsaw puzzle kind of doing a big Lego set, but it's yeah, not it's frustrating fun. because you have instructions. So Yes. Yeah, my husband and I did that last Christmas. We got each other because it obviously pandemic winter. We were stuck in the house forever, so yeah, we uh, we're in Illinois, so there were pretty strict restrictions at that time. So we just put together gigantic Lego sets across the table from each other. Oh, I love it. That's so fun. fun. I think it's good as well. I feel like connecting with some of the things that you enjoyed as a child. um, I think it's actually really good for your creativity and like there's part of your brain or your personality that I feel like your inner child needs to be expressed sometimes in some ways. And that doesn't have to be something immature, but I do think it's really good to sometimes like play with some Lego or um, I've seen people that collect Barbies and stuff and I'm like, just do it. Cause I think there's a lot of judgment around. I I love Barbie collections. Oh, isn't it great? Yeah. It's really funny and clever and, and it's a little so bit tongue in cheek. And there's so yeah. some people, you know, some people are super sincere. Some people put these together, these hilarious storylines mm-hmm. that go on. I, and they photograph them in ways that make them look like they're just in the world. And I just love it. I think it's so fun. I love the creativity. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, me too. I totally agree with that. I think it's really fun. <laughs> I get slightly off topic there. That's okay. I just I find like people's collections just I don't even care if it's something I'm not interested in. I'm just like, tell me what you're passionate about because it's just so interesting. There's a you know? there's a podcast all about people who collect things. I, I was there used it. to be a oh what you yeah, oh that's cool. I have to listen to that. That'd be really interesting. Um, where did your collection start, or what started you down the rabbit hole of Viewmaster hey. collecting? Well, I I was at um where was I at? I was at an antique mall back in my hometown of Flint, Michigan, mm-hmm. and I picked up this. It was a Model C, which is the one that was produced all the viewer that was produced all through like the fifties, effectively. And mm-hmm. it's, it was the longest running one. There's a million of them, so they're very cheap. Don't pay too much for those. And yeah. uh, I picked it up, and it just happened to have some sort of national parks reels. Those are super common. And I was mm-hmm. so charmed by it. And I was like, oh my God, this is so great. And it was the first time I realized that Viewmaster was older than me. Like I, yeah. knew that it, I knew that it was something I looked at as a kid. And I actually really enjoyed my Viewmaster and I still have mine from childhood. Um, oh, no way. So I, yeah, I still have that. And I, I don't remember which reels were mine. I only have a couple. I loved, I loved um, the Batman reels, which are the mm-hmm. West iconic 60s ones. And then I also had ones for this um, children's show called Electro Woman and Dinah Girl and I love superheroes and I love female superheroes so I was so excited uh-huh. but I had those as a child and I kept them in a box somewhere and I ended up eventually acquiring them from my mother's house at some point nice. but um, that day I picked it up and I was like what is this this is fascinating and I loved it and this was oh god this would have been the late 1990s very early 2000s I'm gonna guess maybe 1999 mm-hmm. somewhere in there and um, for many years, I just would buy them at flea markets at, um, or, you know, uh, sales or antique malls. I was always kind of just looking for them. And I didn't really, honestly, I didn't, I, it was such a casual thing for me for so many years. Just one of those things that I was always kind of on the lookout for. And uh-huh. I focused on single reels. But uh, that was really what got me started was the idea that I could go to these places in the past that were previously inaccessible to me. And I yeah, it's like a little accessible in time that format. Capsule. Yeah, yeah, I I get so, that. Yeah, that yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> fun, and so I loved that. So I definitely 
that for a long time and then just slowly over time kind of started acquiring more and more and more. <laughs> and then a couple of <laughs> times bought a couple of small collections and things like that. So I've got, I've got a lot. <laughs> I think that's so exciting. Too much, but I love it, and I love I. You know, I'm a big nerd about it. I like to I like to log in all my reels on my mega spreadsheet of every reel. Oh, your spreadsheet person! I love that. Oh my god, I I love my spreadsheet. I keep it on Google Docs. It's public, so anyone can look at it and make a. Oh no way! That is really cool. (laughs) That was my give back to the Viewmaster community many years ago. I was like, if anybody needs a copy of every reel that's ever been produced that I figured out, here it is. Um, it's, a, it's a massive spreadsheet that covers many, many, many pages, and I don't know. That where where can people um, see that if they're interested? Um, you can if you just if you go to my personal website, which is RebeccaKilbreth.com um, slash Viewmaster. There's a link to the Google Doc. Okay, sweet. And there's also actually I think there's a link in my Instagram link tree too, but it's probably harder. It's it's so big, it's really hard to view on your phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, so there's a, the Viewmaster tab has all of the stuff I've done related to Viewmaster because I in 2012 I created this web page on my personal site that I made for my grad school assignment, and I was trying to get an easy A, and they 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 were like, oh, you need to have a you need to create a um, a guide to something like helping someone figure something oh, yeah. out, right? And so I uh, did that. It was. Um, it's called a Pathfinder. Sorry, I couldn't remember what the, what it was called. Pathfinder, and it was called Collecting Viewmaster Viewers and Reels. And I created that in 2012. And like over uh-huh. the years, that's risen in the ranks on Google. Oh, cool. Google trying to that, that's where people started reaching out to me. So like I've had many okay. people over the years reach out to me and be like, hey. And sometimes it was really funny. They would just email me for advice about finding certain reels or and I'd just be like, wow, this is really weird that people think that I'm an expert just because I have this one website page. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, but, isn't it? Uh, like, yeah. But then you probably, for the average person, you probably are like yeah, an that's expert fair. compared to like. Compared to the average, that's probably true. Yeah. And I mean, I, I probably know more than I think I do. I like to play it down, but I'm probably. I think like some subjects, once you realize how vast a subject is, like you head into a subject, you realize how vast it is and you suddenly realize you know nothing. <laughs> like but from the outside, you know, you know so much more than like the average person. I find that is something in life that happens a lot. The more you know, the more you realize there is to know, sort of thing. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that is, that's fair. I mean, I feel that way about everything, probably. So there's yeah, same. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I guess just to uh, wind us down, mm-hmm. I was just going to ask you about um, storage and restoration. Like, is there any sort of little tips or um, things people might need to know about if they have their reels or if they want to collect? Um, what's the safe way to sort of store them, or is there any? restoration well, that people should avoid a, maybe or yeah I, I would say the the vast majority of viewmaster reels are uh plentiful and uh easy to replace if you have a, a mediocre or poor set i wouldn't sweat it too hard in terms of restoring um you could probably for a small investment get another copy <laughs> that's one of the selling points for me for viewmaster is it's an extremely accessible hobby that's vast majority of people could find you know, if you go to a garage sale or you go on Facebook Marketplace or even on eBay, you can easily acquire a bunch of reels for like 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would I would say that, you know, I tend to because I tend to buy in lots. So I swap out to get better quality ones. Before I did that, I the, I usually use if you need to clean something off of your reels. My tip is a polymer, the white polymer eraser. 
you can just take that anywhere on the paper part of the reel. Uh, the actual film cells are Kodachrome. So they generally, oh, up to 1977, after 1977, it gets a little sketchy, but uh, up till 1977, uh, they used Kodachrome exclusively and it creates an incredibly vibrant image many, many, many decades after it's taken. We're very lucky. It would be a pretty crap hobby if they didn't use Kodachrome. After that, they used, um, I think it was Ectochrome. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was a, a lesser film stock. Uh, and then those reels tend to fade out colors over time. The, the late 1970s reels in particular fade very easily. So if you collect those or you're interested in that era, you're going to find a lot of faded out images. Pink, they, they're called redshift reels. So the images tend to be kind of pink. Uh, you can find Kodachromes of a lot of those reels, but you have to really hunt and pack for them. So that's that's sort of a challenge for collectors. I would say, obviously, don't touch the cells themselves because they are um, transparencies. So the more oil and funk you get on them, the worse they degrade over time. I usually just use a little um, cleaning cloth to buff them off. I use a, a little, almost like a makeup brush, but it's for photos that kind of dust them off. I tend to dust them every time. And then obviously for something like this, you don't want to leave them sitting in the sun or anything. I leave them in their packaging. They're in a, don't get them wet. <laughs> They're paper and, and film. So I think it's, you know, take the same, same care you would take with anything that you want to maintain over time. Luckily, I, I'm assuming with My Little Pony and, and much like Barbie, the plastic is much more volatile than paper and film and, the, and Kodachrome film stock. So yeah, some, of my, some yeah. of my little my little ponies, a couple of the older sticky, ones. Right? They're not sticky actually. I've had that okay. problem with more newer things, but a couple okay. of my 80s my little ponies have what they call like cancer. And it's like the oh. plastic breaks down and you get these little marks on them and stuff. Yep, 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 yep. So I then yeah. if you go into it, there's like specific colours or something. I'm not really like that that into that kind of stuff but right. um, people have restoration things or whatever and yes yeah, we don't kind of... really have that trouble in the viewmaster world i know that I, yeah I, it's great I, I had barbies when i was a kid i loved barbies and yeah, i had so fun. many it was insane and then years ago when i my mom brought a truckload to my house and was like take these i'm not i'm not moving your barbies because she was moving <laughs> she was like here <laughs> so i went through my barbies and as i went through them my in a million barbies some of them had like the plastic breaks down depending on what kind yeah. of temperature they've been exposed to what kind of i mean obviously mine were just in the attic so they've been a thousand degrees for 20 years if not more so um that's a different kind of challenge i think for collectors for me uh you know just pay you know I went. To, I have a degree in library science, uh, and I learned that really, if you want a photo to last, you probably want to print it out on a high quality card, like stock. <laughs> like it's probably oddly enough, paper and and Kodachrome film is, are among the most durable. So we're very lucky in that sense. Those of us who collect that, which is crazy to me, because I'm like little those little kid fingers, like ramming them down in the slot, the top of oh, the. Oh, I mean that's different. You know, uh, like it's kind of it's amazing to me how <laughs> some of the ones you find, it's like this almost looks new, like, and yeah, they're just paper, you know. Yeah. And then you see well, all these I mean, like kids' Barbies with their hair chopped off and crayon, yeah. and you're like, toys take quite a beating. <laughs> They do, but also, you know, I'm sure people toss the ones that the kids broke. I, you know, I'll get oh, yeah, lost sure. and, and, and sure. you pick them up and they're basically, they fold over and crumble in on themselves because some little kid smashed them many mm. years ago. And if it's rare, I'll keep it. If it's not, I toss it. So I tend to pull the ones that are in bad shape and toss them, which I know some collectors get very anxious about, which 
I, I definitely had a joke that I told my friends where I was like, I, have, I was sorting through some old Viewmaster stuff and I was whispering to myself, paper doesn't have feelings. Like, <laughs> I can throw oh things away. Oh my gosh, away. But it feels like it does, right? Like, doesn't it feel like it does? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, somebody uh, mentioned something on library TikTok and she was like, yeah, so um, something about, you know, having to rip the cover off paperbacks when you... Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a whole thing but i was literally like oh that kind of hurt a little bit you ripped a cover off a paperback yeah, like physical pain. i don't know it was like some like <laughs> it was horrible yeah, yeah i, I don't know because like books are precious right yes and it, you know what's really funny is i feel like having um i went to library school so i have a lot of friends who are librarians and one of the things that always makes me laugh is they're much less precious about those things than the rest of us because they have to yes. win collections all the time and toss things and yeah they, and like one of my friends was like oh i had to weed a bunch of stuff today it was great <laughs> it's kind of satisfying like decluttering yeah, in that sense exactly like if, yeah but exactly i don't know i can't have to cover up <laughs> a book although oh, i have I pulled a couple of yeah oh, sorry no no the, go ahead the, pod, the podcast about collecting is called four keeps for keeps. For keeps, yeah. Sweet. I might subscribe to that because that sounds like fun. Yeah, I was on it a couple of years ago. It was interesting. Sweet. Well, that's a good little um, shout out. Yeah, I mean, I them. feel like I should mention it. Um, if you don't mind, you can cut it if you don't want to mention it. No, 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 of course. No, I, I, I meant it genuinely. I was like, oh, okay. that's cool. People will be interested in that. Sorry, I didn't. Did that sound sarcastic? Mm. <laughs> oh, I'm just sarcastic and I assume everybody's is. So. There's that. I think my humor is really dry. Sometimes I say things like in a very dry way. Yeah. Um, Yes, I think that's kind of all the little questions I had for you. Is there anything um, you wanted to add or do we we think we covered everything? I think we covered a lot. I I don't want to take up any more action probably. But I I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. I enjoyed uh, talking with you. And thanks so much for having me. It's been a hoop. No, you're you're very welcome. Thank you for coming on, especially because my little podcast is just a baby podcast at this point. So I I was very excited when you said yes. uh, and then I, I, I love supporting artists and creative people. That's my whole job is, you know, hiring yeah. people who write and editing their work and working with them. So that's, I love it. So I'm happy to support you and I'm happy Thanks. to be here. Great. Um, just tell people where they can find you on the socials and things just to, sure. I know you kind of said Got a couple of times, but. Yeah. So my Instagram that, I, which is why I'm probably here. <laughs> is uh uh growing by the day it's been fun it's called viewmaster v-i-e-w master excuse me dot b-e-x viewmaster.bex and that's uh you know i'm all over the place otherwise but that's the the heart of it yeah i think from there people can find other ways to find you as well Um, i'm easy to stalk online (laughs) <laughs> and if not you can probably find a friend who's good at stalking and they <laughs> that's exactly right thank you for listening to tea and scandal you can find me on instagram at hermione flavia or tiktok at craven wild i do have a ko-fi now so if you had to ko-fi.com slash craven wild you can do things like leave an episode suggestion uh buy me a cup of tea Or you can check out my little store there for um, homemade little art pieces and things like that. So that is me and thank you for listening.